Well, today, today we wrap. Well, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> That's the extent of my rapping. <laughs> we are not actually rapping. We wrap up our series today, Trending Now. Listen, I can't rhyme my way out of a wet paper bag. So that's like, if I'm not singing along with the Fresh Prince, I'm out. So we started this series way back in July. We started with Jonah chapter 1 and 2. And then we followed that with a series of topics that, things that, that we identified as what's trending now in our culture. We talked about things like truth, life, nationalism. We talked about identity. And then last week we came back. And Renee talked on Jonah chapter 3, and today we end with Jonah chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 4, and we're actually going to start reading in verse 10 of chapter 3. It's the last verse of chapter, um, of chapter 3. It just helps us tie everything together today. So Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. It says, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God had compassion and relented concerning the disaster which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But greatly displeased Jonah, this, but it greatly just displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my country? This is why I ran to Tarshish, because I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. And when sinners turn to you, you revoke the sentence of disaster against them. Therefore, now, now, O Lord, just take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city, and he sat east of it. There he made himself a shelter. And sat under its shade so he could see from uh, so he could see what would happen in the city. And so the Lord God prepared a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to spare him from discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the protection of the plant. But God prepared a worm. When morning dawned the next day, it attacked the plant, and the plant withered. When the sun came up, God prepared a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he fainted and wished to die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the loss of the plant? And he said, I have a very good reason to be angry, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 innocent persons who do not know the difference between their left hand and their right hand, and are yet, and are not yet accountable for their sin, as well as many blameless animals? No, oh, you can play that. Keep going. Yes, that is the point. Jonah 
cannot finish a series without the big musical finale, right? Now, if you haven't watched the VeggieTales Jonah movie, I hope you're intrigued enough to watch it. It's good, just wholesome, fun entertainment. That's like Friday night family movie night right there. So there is this incredible revival that takes place in Nineveh. An entire city repents and turns from turns to God. It's incredible. Absolutely amazing. Like how often do you hear in the Bible, read in the Bible or outside of the Bible, of entire cities turning to God in a moment? Jonah shows up. He preaches an eight-word sermon. If you speak Hebrew, it was only five words. And 120,000 people turn from wickedness and they run towards God in total repentance. And they make their animals repent at the same time. It was crazy. And then what happens in chapter 4 is cringy. See, at the beginning of the book, Jonah flees from God's face. And now, at the end of the book, he flies in God's face. He's full of anger. It says that Jonah was greatly displeased, which, which literal, the literal translation is that he, he was broken into pieces. Jonah saw that God was not going to destroy the city and all the people in it, and he fell to pieces. Not only did he fall to pieces, but he became angry because God wasn't going to destroy them. See, the, 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 the Hebrew word here for angry is actually repeated twice, and it's the word harah, right? So it, it says that when Jonah became angry, it says harah, harah. Which, which means that in his anger, he burned with fire in his anger. If you've seen the Disney movie Inside Out, right? He was anger. Go to the next slide. That's Jonah. He's burning with anger because God is not going to destroy the city. And he's not only just burning with anger that God's not going to destroy the city, but his anger is directed at God. You know, it's, it's interesting, but Jonah only prays two times in this book. He prays once from the belly of the whale or the belly of the fish when he needed help. And now here he prays in his anger. 
See, right here in this moment, this is a mirror moment. This is a mirror moment where we look at the life of Jonah, and we look at he prayed when he needed something, and now he's praying when he's angry, and we ask ourselves, when is it that I pray? When do I come to the Lord in prayer? Do I pray when I need help? I mean, there's nothing wrong with calling out to Jesus when we need him, right? We should bring all of our requests to him. In fact, Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, he says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what, God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So we should bring all of our needs to God. I mean, who, who's heard the, the saying, God helps those who help themselves? It's a lie. That's not actually true. Some, some people will pass that off as like that's in the Bible, not in the Bible, right? Reality is God helps those that can't help themselves, which is pretty much all of us, because without God, where would we be? Broke, busted, and disgusted, we would be in a lot of trouble. See, God helps those who can help helps themselves. Is this just this is just what He does? So bring your prayers to God. See, because if it matters to you, then it matters to God. Sometimes we don't bring things to God because we feel like they're, they're too insignificant. But the truth is, if it's on your heart, then it's on God's heart. Then it matters to Him. And then there's other times when we, bring things to, we don't bring things to God because we think that they're too big. This is too big. There is nothing that God cannot do. So bring your prayers to God. See, we, we, we hold Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 where Paul tells us bring all of our prayers to God. Tell him what we need. We hold that intention with what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. And then he goes on to say, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Right, so Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above everything else. And he'll give you everything you need because your father already knows what you need. And Paul says, bring all of your prayer requests, everything that you need before him, right? Just because he knows what you need doesn't mean that we shouldn't bring it to him. We have to remember though, God is not a vending machine that just gives you whatever you want. He's a loving father. He's a loving father that wants a relationship with you. See, prayer, prayer is not just a way to ask for stuff. It's our way of talking to him. That's really what prayer is. Prayer isn't a one-way one like monologue. We don't monologue to God and so he just sits there with a notepad and just takes notes on everything we're monologuing about. It's a dialogue. It goes back and forth. So there's times in our prayer when we just sit and we say nothing. And maybe God sits with us in silence and we say nothing together, but we're together. Right? There's, there's times when, when Renee and I are together and we're not saying anything. We're just together. And we're enjoying being together. But there's times when she talks and I listen and I talk and she listens. See, this is, this is what prayer is. This is how we have that relationship with our loving Father. And so we need to check ourselves if we only pray because we need something. Maybe, maybe you pray when you're angry. That's when you go to God in prayer. Something terrible has happened. There's been a traumatic event in your life. A sudden death of someone who's close to you. Maybe you got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Or maybe you lost your job without warning. And in this moment, this, you're, you're, just, you're so upset. How could God let this happen? Or maybe your, your stance is, how could God do this to me? And you rail against God because you're burning with anger at Him. 
I mean, I mean, he's got big shoulders, right? Right? We, we say this. He's got big shoulders. He can take your anger. It's true. See, but when we pray, praying when you're angry at God is a sign of spiritual immaturity. See, there comes a time when we realize that God doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe us answers. And we're not going to understand everything. Bill Johnson once said, I work for him. He doesn't work for me. I think we need to remind ourselves that more often. That we work for him. He doesn't work for us. So maybe, maybe, just maybe it's time for us to mature and realize that anger directed at God is, is not only misdirected, but it's childish. Things don't go our way and we throw a temper tantrum. Right? That's what toddlers do. Adults are supposed to grow out of that. I said supposed to. As we, Renee mentioned last week, I mean, maturity doesn't come with a number. Right? You can walk with Jesus 40, 50 years and still just be a baby in the faith. The same way that you see adults walking around in life that still throw temper tantrums. Because they didn't do the job of growing up. They grew up physically, but they didn't grow up emotionally. They didn't mature. So it's time for us, family. We've got to grow up in the Lord. See, there comes this time when we mature beyond only praying when we need something or, or, or praying when we're angry. And instead, we just seek Him. We pray because Jesus is our friend. We pray because God is our, is our Father. And we want relationship with Him, regardless of what the circumstances that we find ourselves in, whether it's mountaintop or it's valley low or somewhere in between. We seek Him for the relationship. See, we, we are not to be those that are what I would call stormy followers of Jesus. Stormy followers of Jesus, see, when things are rough, then Jesus is the captain of their soul. And then they show up because things are rough. But when there's smooth seas and steady sailing, oh, that's when I'm the captain of the, my soul. That's when I call the shots when everything's going well. But as soon as the storm comes, it's calling out to Jesus. See, in, our, in, in, in this chapter here, Jonah, Jonah was thankful for God's forgiveness in his own life. Right Back in chapter 2, when he disobediently ran away from the face of the Lord, he heard the word of the Lord calling him to go to Nineveh, and he ran the opposite direction. He was thankful for that mercy. He was thankful for that forgiveness in his own life. But he didn't want that same mercy, that same forgiveness extended to the Ninevites. See, in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4, he basically calls out, he says, I knew it! I knew you were going to forgive them because you're a good God. You're slow to anger. You're gracious and you're kind. He basically just lays on the ground and says, Jesus, take me now. See, Jonah doesn't want to live in a world where those people can be forgiven. Jonah wanted the Ninevites to experience the judgment of God, but God wanted to show love and mercy and forgiveness. So when is it that we want God to judge? I, I mean, not many people say it. I mean, there's a few, but the vast majority of us, we know better than to say it. But come on now, we're thinking it. 
We're, wait, we're hoping for it. We're, <laughs> sometimes we even pray, get him, God. We pray, get him, God, prayers. Is it, is it for certain people? Or maybe in certain situations, maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's people that hold a different political view than you do or a different spiritual belief than you. Maybe you feel like God's judgment is justified because of what that person did to you. God, you see what they did to me, now get them. You know, whether it's, it's verbalized or whether we just internalize it, Wanting God, wanting people to experience the judgment of God is misrepresenting his heart for people. That's not the Father's heart. See, I think where we get that is we read through the Old Testament and we see so many stories of wrath and of judgment of God. And what we miss is we, we, we miss in those stories, we miss the love of God. We miss the goodness and the kindness of God. See, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of the very nature and character of God. So what that means is, is when you, when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read through those and you see Jesus, that's God. Right? And it's not like we got to the end of the book of Malachi, which is the end of the Old Testament, we turned over to the book of Matthew and knew God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you read through those stories of like judgment and wrath, I mean like I'm, I'm currently reading through the book of Ezekiel. Man, there, there's, a, there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of wrath there. But do you know that there's this, there's this verse in the, in the, in the book, it's, it's, I think it's in Jeremiah. So in, when you read your Bible, it goes Jeremiah, Ezekiel, but they're prophesying around the same time where, where God actually says, I'm broken because of what my people have done. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about that? That my choices, my decisions, that they break God? So when you read through those stories, and if you're struggling to see the goodness of God somewhere in there, then this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray. And just say, Jesus, where are you in this story? Because I can't see you. Show me the goodness of God in this story. He'll show you. You'll see it because it's there. In the book of Luke chapter 9, there's a short interaction between Jesus and his disciples. See, Jesus intended to go through a Samaritan village and his travels and stop and then ca carry on. But the people in the village, they didn't want Jesus to come through. And so they, they stopped him from coming through. Jesus' disciples more than just a little upset about this, that Jesus was dishonored that way. And they, they turn to him and they, they, they ask, Jesus, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to consume all of these people and destroy the village? I mean, they, they went a little, just a little extreme. This is what Jesus said to them. You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. Right? In, in, in modern language, he says, guys, you're operating out of a spirit of destruction, which is of Satan. Right? John 10.10, 10, we, we quote it quite often. 
right? The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Satan is the thief. And Jesus said, but I have come to give life. See, when, when we want the judgment of God on people, you don't know what spirit you're of. You're coming into partnership with a demonic, destructive spirit. Because God's heart is not for the downfall of people. Right? He takes, it's, it says in the midst of, you know, like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, it's, you know, where there's a lot of wrath there. He says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. See, Jonah was not aligned with the heart of God here. Even though he delivered the message of God, he didn't deliver it in alignment with the heart of God. See, our hearts should always be crying out for God to save those that don't know him. Declaring and, and, and not declaring judgment on them. But we're asking Holy Spirit to reveal their ways. We're asking Holy Spirit to remove the blinders and the, and the blindness off of people, people's lives so that they can fully see and behold Jesus. Because when you see Jesus, everything changes. The problem is, is that most people in the world, they don't see Jesus. Because they're blinded. So we're praying, God, remove the blinders. Reveal yourself to them, which is his heart for them. If you're hoping for someone's defeat and downfall, or if you celebrate when they fall or when they fail, regardless of who it is, a person, a group of people, it doesn't matter, you know them, or they're a, a political leader, or whatever the case might be, if you're hoping for it and celebrating it, then you are misrepresenting Jesus. And you need to check yourself. It's like, not, not especially, but like, man, in our culture right now, everything is hot button, right? Everything, like, you, like people are set off at, at everything. Gas prices go up and their fingers are pointing. Gas prices go down and fingers are pointing. And it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what happens. People are pointing fingers on all sides of the aisle. It doesn't matter what you believe or what you think. Everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. It's everybody's fault. New person gets into office, it's the other guy's fault. We need to check ourselves. Seeing people fall down on their bicycle and celebrating. That's not okay. That is not okay. And then God asks Jonah a question. God always asks the best questions. What right do you have to be angry, Jonah? See, Jonah received forgiveness, and now he's mad that the Ninevites have received the same thing. See, when we are angry at God, or as something God has or maybe apparently has not done or, you know, we think he's allowed to have happened, we've got to ask ourselves that very same question. Craig, what right do you have to be angry? The answer is, I have no right. See, if, if I feel justified, then I, I'm suggesting it's time to lay down that justification. See, Jesus, hanging on the cross, Jesus could have been very angry. He didn't deserve to be there. He, 
he literally did nothing wrong. He's the only person to ever walk the face of the planet, or to, or to whoever will walk the face of the planet, that never did anything wrong. And he could have been angry for hanging there, dying slowly. But he wasn't angry. He loved. Hanging from the cross, he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And it's his love that is, as, as John talks about in 1 John, that has covered a multitude of sins. It's his love. Anger isn't the answer. Love is. Judgment isn't the answer. Mercy is. Wrath isn't the answer. Forgiveness through Jesus is the answer. So after Jonah rails against God, literally saying, kill me now, he goes outside of the city and he builds a shelter and he watches. <laughs> he already knows that God's not going to destroy the city, but yet he goes far enough away that if by chance God does destroy the city, I don't want to get swallowed up in the fire that's about to fall from heaven. And so he, he goes far enough away, he builds himself a shelter, and he watches. He's still angry. He's very angry. And so in his anger, he's watching the city to see, God is God going to destroy them? There's absolutely nothing rational about what Jonah is doing here. I mean, if you think this, he's mad. And so he marches outside of the city. And in his anger, he builds a little shelter. And then he sits under the shelter, and then he stay, stares angrily at the Ninevites. And he just watches in his anger. But I mean, seriously, does anybody act rationally in their anger? No, everything we do in anger is irrational. It makes no sense whatsoever, right? Someone, someone cuts you off in traffic, and you think they did it on purpose because they have it out for you. They know your address, your phone number. They've been following you for miles and they're cutting you off because they don't like you. They don't know you. They probably didn't even see you and that was the problem. And so you laying on the horn for an extreme amount of time, longer than what's even necessary, not a little burp, burp, just to let them know you're there. But we do the There's no rationality in anger. God very well could have just left Jonah sitting on the hill, overlooking the city of it in his anger, right? Stewing in his anger. Jonah is now living the consequences of his own choices, his own decisions. But here's, here's this is what God does. God has compassion on him anyway. Come on, who's thankful that God just didn't leave you in the depths of your bad decisions, Right? Who's thankful for the compassion of Jesus? You know, when we didn't deserve it, because none of us do, he still came to us. Even when we reject him, he still came. God looked on Jonah, and he had love for him, and he causes this plant to grow up that gives him some shade. And, and Jonah is loving it. He's feeling the shade from the plant. Super happy about it, and unfortunately, God kills the plant in the morning. And then Jonah again rages against God. And he begs God to kill him. Because that would be better than living this life. Jonah has more compassion on a plant than the entire city of Nineveh. 
See, God was, God was showing Jonah how ridiculous he was being, and Jonah is, he's missing it. I mean, how can you have more compassion on a plant than people? Right? It's, it's like, how can you have more compassion on animals than people? I mean, we love our animals, right? I mean, we show peaches on the screen every now and again, and <laughs> you guys are the best. Seriously. Whenever peaches shows, our dog shows up on the, on the screen, you guys always make this sound. Aww. Always. So we love our animals, but how can you have more compassion on animals than on people? The ones who are made in his image. See, Jonah had made everything about him. His anger was about him. His unforgiveness was about him. His discomfort was about him. The truth was, though, none of this was about Jonah. Right from Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It wasn't about Jonah. But he ran away because he made it about him. It was all about the Ninevites. See, how often do we make our lives all about us and the things that happen in life, we make it all about us and most of the time, it has nothing to do with us. See, life's not about me. Right? Life is about other people. See, if I live my life always like looking at me and making everything about me, then I'm living a sad little life and at the end of my life, I'm going to be lonely. We're not meant to live like that. Life is meant to be about other people. And for us, followers of Jesus, it's about other people that don't know him. Man, there's those little one another verses that are in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, right? Honor one another, carry one another's burdens. Now, those don't sound like a lot of it's about me verses. See, this... This is the gospel of the kingdom. It's not just gospel of salvation. See, the gospel of salvation is we receive Jesus into our lives and then we, we are saved. He forgiveness for, forgives us for all of our, our errors, our mistakes, all of those things. Where we fall short, he forgives us. And now we are, we are assured eternal life, right? But the gospel of the kingdom says, yes, you are assured eternal life. You've got Jesus living on the inside of you. And now he's got a job for you to do. Right? That's the gospel of the kingdom. It's realizing that it's not just about me, it's about other people, and that I step into that role in my life. Where I expand the kingdom, I love on people, I try, to, I try to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth so that people can experience the same love and forgiveness of Jesus that I have. We are, we are living, breathing, like walking, talking encounters with God. At least we have the potential to be. Every one of us has a call to live out. But it's going to be different. It's not the same for everyone. But the constant in everyone's call is the outward focus. God doesn't call someone to have an inward focus on their life. It's a call to love, to serve, to influence the people around us so that they can encounter Jesus too. See, God was showing Jonah his heart for lost and broken humanity. And all Jonah could see was that the Ninevites got off with no punishment. But isn't that the way that God's forgiveness, love, grace, and mercy work? There's no penance. There's no purgatory. There's no working for it. There's no earning it. We repent, he forgives. So Jonah not only missed God's heart for Nineveh, but he actually also missed God's heart for himself. See, God stayed tender 
towards Jonah, even in his, as his anger burns, burned towards God. And he says, I have good right to be angry, angry enough to die. See, your anger will prevent you from experiencing God. Jonah's anger prevented him from experiencing God's compassion on his own life. And then it also prevented him from seeing God's compassion. Right? God's compassion was on full display as, as 120,000 people were saved and not destroyed. And, that's, and Jonah couldn't even see it. And then verse 11 it so sums up the, the book of Jonah, and it's, it so sums up our series. God says, should I not have compassion? We can't ever allow our, our opinions, our feelings, our religious views to blind us to the heart of Jesus for all people. And if you're not sure what his heart is for all people, I mean, it's, it's front to back in the Bible. It's there. But there's this little verse in John that I really like. It says, For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. The world. The entire world. Every person. Everyone. No exceptions. No exclusions. Jesus loves them all. We, me, and you. We are Jonah. The word of the Lord has come to us, sending us out to a world that is lost and broken and dying without him. And what are, what's, what's our response? We don't have to go far. Sometimes God calls us to go far to tell people about him so that they can experience him. Sometimes he just calls us to go across the street. You literally just have to open your front door and there are people that need Jesus. There are people that need you to show them Jesus. So our response, do we run away? Do we hide? Or do we listen to the call? And as Renee talked about last week, do we say, go, go, go? And we run and we, 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 we answer the call. Or are we angry? Are we compassionate? Am I accurately representing Jesus? Or do I have attitudes and actions, words, thoughts that are cringeworthy in the sight of Jesus? I mean, I I think the last thing that we want is for Jesus to watch how we're acting, to know our thoughts, to hear our voices, what we're saying, and go, I know those are my kids, but See, the, the Bible isn't a window we look through to see who's right or wrong, but a mirror to look in and see where we're not like Jesus. See, the moment that we take our Bibles, or we sit in church and we hear a message and we're like, oh, that person really needs to hear this one. <laughs> then we start treating the Bible like a window and we're looking through it to be like, oh, yeah, they're not measuring up over there. Yeah, look at that person. Ooh, that front row, though. <laughs> right? It's a mirror where we look and we're like, oh, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. 
have mercy on me because I've missed it, because I don't measure up. And then we repent in those areas. We ask him to forgive us. And then we welcome him in to change us in those areas. That's what the Bible is about. It's not to prove our opinions. It's to make us more like him. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap this up. There are a couple things I want to do to respond. So if you're here today, and maybe you're here and you thought, you know what? I just saw God as so judgmental. He's so angry at me. And maybe I even said a time or two, I can't ever go to church because it's going to burn down the moment I walk in. Because you just felt like you were so bad. Or maybe you're, you feel so shameful of how you've lived your life. And if there's one thing I want you to hear today. Is that God is the God of second chances. That he loves you. He has mercy and grace. Compassion on your life. So, and all he wants is you. He wants you to live your life with him. It's accepting what he's done. It's accepting that he is, he is God. And it's saying, okay, Jesus, I'm now going to live my life for you. So if you're here and, you wanna, and you've never done that, or maybe you did that once and you've walked away from the Lord, I want to give you the opportunity. I just want you to just simply slip your hand up and say, yeah, I want to live for Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, yeah. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for your grace, your mercy. We all need it. None of us deserve it. I pray for those that raise their hands. I pray that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would rush and flood their lives with your presence. You tell them how much you love them, how valuable you are, what a great plan you've got for their lives, how awesome things are going to be. That you'd set them free from everything that trips them up, that holds them back, that keeps them down. And that they would experience true life in you. And God, I pray that you would soften our hearts. I just want you to put your hand on your heart. God, I confess there are times in my life when I can be hard-hearted. Where I'm, I can be judgmental. And I ask that you would soften my heart. In those areas where I, my heart is hard and it's maybe stone-like, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe on it and you turn our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, soft and tender before you. God, we would be those that feel your feelings for other people. When we walk down the street, that our eyes are not closed, so to speak, but we're feeling your feelings for all the people around us, that we would connect with you that way. Soften our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.